Hello, hello. My name is Nikki and welcome to the very first episode of the Dark Side of Sports podcast. Yay! This is a branch off of my blog of the same name, The Dark Side of Sports. I have just realized that not everybody enjoys reading or not everybody has the time to sit down and read something as we are all very busy these days. So this is just a different way to get the same information that you would find on there. Guys, I am so excited. I have always wanted to do a podcast. I just never found the time and I am ready to rock and roll. Now, if it sucks in the beginning, be a champ, be a trooper, take one for the team. Just keep on listening because hopefully it'll get better. And maybe one day you'll enjoy listening to this podcast just as much as you enjoy listening to your other ones. Okay, maybe it won't be that great, but you get what I'm saying. So the way I like to do things is I like to give background on the person's life, where they were born, where they grew up, where they went to school, things like that. Then I like to move on to their career and give a little background on that, where they started, how great they became, or if they end up becoming a huge gigantic flop because I feel like it goes one way or the other. There's no in between. Well, no, no, I lied. I guess there is an in between. You can be mediocre and just kind of there. Then I like to get onto the nitty gritty, the stuff you guys came here for, the murder the drugs, the controversies, the scandals, all the juicy stuff. And I like to start with a bang. So today, I think I have a really good one for you. I believe this person is very controversial in the world of the WWE and just sports entertainment in general. And that is the Canadian crippler himself, Mr. Chris Benoit. So sit back, get comfortable, grab your favorite drink. I'm going to grab my tea here in just a moment. And we are going to, well, spill the tea on Chris Benoit. So stay tuned. Before we get started, I just want to say that viewer discretion is advised, or I guess listener discretion. We will be discussing some disturbing information in this episode. I would not suggest having your children listen to it. Um, If you do, that's your business. That is your decision. You are the parent. I am not. But if they have nightmares, do not come for me, okay? Also, everything discussed in this episode is based off of public knowledge, what the media has released, what I have researched on the internet. So I cannot guarantee that 100% of this is accurate. If it's not, send me a message, drop me a comment, let me know. I am always willing to learn. Now let's get into it. The Rabid Wolverine. That name will instantly bring memories of one of the greatest technical wrestlers to the minds of 90s and early 2000s wrestling fans. His wrestling career lasted 22 years and during this time he won just as many major wrestling championship titles. Yet you will never see the name Chris Benoit in any wrestling hall of fame. You won't find it in the name of matches or the episode information box when watching old episodes of Raw or SmackDown on the WWE app. Most fans who just got into wrestling in the 2010s don't know his name or might only know one thing about him. He is the champion who turned into a ghost. The champion the WWE would like to erase from their history. You guys, my brother and I thought this guy was the shit. You know, he had that missing tooth. We thought he was so cool. We loved watching him wrestle. We could not say his name for the life of us. We called him Chris Benoit. Even though the announcer said his name 5,000 times, we just never picked up on that. We were young. You know, we were in middle school and elementary school, or we just weren't that bright. I'm not sure, but we loved him. 
Christopher Michael Benoit was born in Montreal, Canada on May 21, 1967 to Michael and Margaret Benoit. He grew up in Edmonton and was described as a strong-willed and obsessive child. It was here at the age of 12 he decided he wanted to be a professional wrestler after watching Tom Dynamite Kid Billington and Bret Hart at a local event. Ugh, I don't like Bret Hart, guys. I don't know why. I just feel like he's so sleazy. Ew. He trained under Stu Hart and joined his Stampede Wrestling Organization in 1985. And in 1986, he went on to join New Japan Pro Wrestling. He left the former company in 1989, the year I was born, whoop whoop, and the latter in 1994. During this time, Benoit also started working with the World Championship Wrestling and Extreme Championship Wrestling organizations. After a brief hiatus, he returned to WCW in 1995 as part of the Four Horsemen, alongside none other than Mr. Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Brian Pillman. It was during this time that he stood out in the cruiserweight division for his speed and strength inside the ring. This dude was little, but he was fast and he was strong, and his stamina was out of this world. I swear, watching him wrestle was crazy. In 2000, Benoit joined the World Wrestling Federation, now known as the WWE, where he became part of the group The Radicals, alongside his late best friend Eddie Guerrero, Latino Heat, Perry Saturn, and Dean Malenko. In 2001, Benoit parted ways with The Radicals and teamed up with Chris Jericho, my all-time favorite wrestler. I loved him. I still love him. I cannot get enough Y2J, baby. Give me all the Chris Jericho. All of it. To defeat Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H for the tag team title. In 2002, Benoit moved from Raw is War to SmackDown, where he started a feud with Kurt Angle, who I hate, can't stand. I still don't like him. Like if my husband's watching an old episode of SmackDown, I just look at the guy and I want to punch him in his face. In October of 2002, he teamed up with Angle to once again claim the tag team championship title. So I guess they went from enemies to friends, frenemies, if you will. In 2004, Benoit challenged and defeated Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship title. In 2005, Benoit spiraled into a deep depression after his best friend, Eddie Guerrero, passed away suddenly. Some say it was this depression that came to a head in 2007 with tragic results. to talk about the stuff that y'all came here for. On June 25th, 2007, police discovered the bodies of Chris Benoit, his second wife Nancy, and their seven-year-old son Daniel inside their Fayetteville, Georgia home. The discovery stunned the world and the WWE, who canceled a scheduled episode of Raw that was to air that night and aired a three-hour tribute episode to Benoit instead. This whole thing seemed pretty cut and dry at the time. Uh, the Benoit family were victims of a home invasion that had gone terribly wrong. You know, maybe they weren't supposed to be home and they were and surprised the burglars. But shit hit the fan, guys. Like, hit the fan and got scattered everywhere. Shortly after the discovery of the bodies, the world was stunned again when the press released that Benoit had in fact killed his wife and young son before killing himself. It was suspected that on June 22, 2007, Benoit strangled Nancy to death with a cord. 
On June 23, 2007, he went on to kill his son Daniel by suffocating him while he was lying in bed. After the murders, Benoit took some time to himself before committing suicide by tying the cord from his pull-down machine, I think the lap bar, around his neck, then releasing all the weights attached to the other end, causing his neck to break almost instantly. This information left everyone with unanswered questions, especially those who were closest to Benoit. So was Chris Benoit just plain evil? I like to think not. Um, they have come out with a lot of factors that could have contributed to this horrific crime. So that's what we're going to go through now. And then I'm going to end with a good old conspiracy theory because you know this girl loves to play devil's advocate. So steroids. The biggest thing people jump to when trying to figure out what went wrong is the infamous roid rage. It's pretty common knowledge that most professional wrestlers, including Benoit, took steroids in the 2000s to keep their physical appearance and energy levels up. These guys were working almost every night. They had to keep their stamina up. They had to keep the pep in their step somehow. So they turned to steroids. Although many wrestlers have spoken out against this claim, stating that after the passing of Eddie Guerrero in 2005, the WWE got very strict with their steroids policy. But you have wrestlers on the other side who have spoken out against this claim, stating that there were still ways for wrestlers to get their hands on the drugs. So they were saying, you know, yes, they had cracked down, but we were still finding ways to get them. We were still taking them. It was still a regular thing in the world of wrestling. Police found text messages Nancy sent to Chris stating that she was tired of having to deal with his roid rage. So can a person experience said roid rage over a three-day span? Or was this a deliberate and well-thought-out act committed by the perpetrator? I don't know. I've never taken steroids. I couldn't tell you. Another factor that they look at is brain trauma. Over the years, we have learned about the overwhelming effect that repeated concussions can have on the human brain. And more studies have come out regarding CTE. Uh, We see it a lot in the football world. Junior Seau, Aaron Hernandez, any high contact physical sport seems to have, unfortunately, some result on the brain. We have all seen it when watching wrestling. A choke slam in the ring, a chair to the back of the head, a hard fall onto a table. Wrestlers are no strangers to head injuries. After Benoit passed away, they took a good look at his brain and discovered that he was suffering from severe CTE. Guys, I mean severe. Veer. Although he was just 40 years old at the time of his death, Benoit had the mind of an 85-year-old Alzheimer patient, and he was on the fast track to early dementia. That is serious, guys. Like, he is 40 years old, and his mind is that of an 85-year-old Alzheimer patient. That's insane. After this incident, the WWE would go on to ban chair shots to the head, so no more of that. Mm-mm, not in their house. The CTE defense was visited again during the Aaron Hernandez case, who at the age of 27 had the brain of someone in their 70s. I think we all remember that, the shocking, shocking, shocking story of Aaron Hernandez, the crime, the trial, and the ultimate suicide in the end. So can your brain get to a point of being so damaged that it can completely change who you are? Can brain trauma cause a person to become a monster? Or is this rage something that has to be in you in the first place? I do believe that it has to be in you. You have to have the ability to to kill someone or to commit a heinous crime like that. But CTE can bring it out. I think CTE can bring it to the forefront. It can really loosen your inhibitions. 
and up your anger levels a lot. Another factor is I think a little believable or I should say a little more believable um, because I too suffer with these things and these feelings um, but I'm not a killer. Don't get it twisted. And that is depression. It has been mentioned time and time again after the passing of Eddie Guerrero, Benoit was devastated and spiraled into a deep depression. I know firsthand the effects that depression can have on your mind. And let me tell you, it's not pretty, guys. It is not pretty. It is horrible. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. Suddenly, a man who was rather stoic in and outside of the ring is overcome with all these overwhelming emotions of sadness and loss and just probably had a hard time finding himself again, finding his way back to where he was before. Even though he was the rabid Wolverine, at the end of the day, he was still a human being. It is possible that Benoit was so severely depressed that he wanted to end his own life. That could be. Could the guilt of leaving his wife and young child behind have caused him to murder them? Could he have been in such a low state of mind that he just snapped? A lot of times when we look at family um, murders, uh, murder-suicide, the person who is depressed and is planning to take their own life does feel guilty about leaving the other party behind. Um, a lot of times it is apparent, you know, I'm going to kill myself, but I can't leave my kids here alone. I'm going to have to take them with me. Or a husband and a wife, you know, I can't leave my spouse by themselves um, sad and broken down at my death, so they've got to come with me. This last theory, though, this last one, you all, I really think needs to be looked deeper into. This is one is my absolute favorite, and that is that all three were murdered, including Benoit. I know y'all are sitting there thinking, Nikki, you're just saying this because you enjoyed watching him wrestle when you were growing up, but hear me out. Just listen to me. Listen, Linda, honey, listen. Toxicology report showed that at the time of his death, Benoit had a mix of painkillers, alcohol, and other prescription drugs in his system. I would assume a mix of these substances would make it almost impossible for Benoit to set up the pull-down machine and commit suicide in the way he supposedly did. I mean, he would have been so out of it, how would he have done any of that? Also, 14 hours before any of the bodies were discovered, someone uploaded the um, date of Chris Benoit's death and the incident that caused it to his Wikipedia page. So 14 hours before anybody found the bodies, anybody knew what had happened, someone uploaded the date that Chris Benoit had died and what had happened inside the home. Now, this anonymous person would later go on to say that it was just a crazy and tragic coincidence that he was just goofing off and messing around. I don't believe that. I don't. That is just too, like, how do you get the date and the incident down to a T? And it was just, oh, I was goofing off. I don't think so. Mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. No, honey, that's too coincidental for me. 13 years later, guys, and we're still left wondering, was Chris Benoit a gentle giant that snapped after years of brain trauma and turmoil? Or was he just someone who was born evil, put his family through years of abuse that resulted in a planned out event that took place over the course of three days? Was he so angry and just 
mad at the world that he was this horrible abusive monster and just decided to finally put an end to it all we don't know does he really deserve to be erased from professional wrestling history or should he be known for his major accomplishments within the industry i think they should keep it going they need to let the world know like what he did inside the ring make it be known what happened in the end that shouldn't be hidden either but i don't think that you know you should just erase him from a sport that he gave so much to and that he truly might have given his all to his brain and his heart and his soul he gave it all to that sport and now they're trying to say well no he never existed we don't know who this man is some fun facts to end with Chris Benoit's signature end move was the crippler crossface. They are saying, though, that he did use the crippler crossface on his own son, Daniel, and that is how he suffocated and killed him. That is just horrible. I cannot imagine the fear knowing that you are caught in the crippler crossface, but it's not an act. It's not for show. You're not just going to pretend to pass out or pass out and then wake up and act all confused. I mean... you were gonna die he was married to his first wife martina from 1988 to 1997 he actually had an affair with his second wife nancy while still being married to martina you dirty dog you he was the father to two children from his first marriage as well as his seven-year-old son daniel with nancy i'm not really sure what happened with his first children and his first wife we don't really hear much about them um maybe they don't want to be in the public light i'm not sure Benoit's signature chipped front tooth was the result of an accident that occurred while playing with his pet Rottweiler. It was not something that happened in the ring from an injury or anything like that. I think a lot of people thought that it had, nope, came from playing with his pet. Well, guys, that was the first episode. I am ending it here. If you made it to the end, you made it all the way here. I absolutely appreciate it. I, you know, I thank you for listening, for toughing it out. I know this wasn't that great of an episode. Like I said, it's my very first one. Hopefully it will get better. Uh, Stay tuned. I'm going to have some more juicy, juicy stuff for you. I have a jam-packed lineup, so you're going to hear it all. I'm going to touch on all sports. I just wanted to open up with something that was still discussed and controversial and it really still a mystery I don't think we've really figured out this whole thing I think uh in the records it's cut and dry it's done he killed his family killed himself bam boom that's it but I still think there is more to it and we need to dig a little more to find out the truth so have a great day take care stay safe and remember to be kind to yourself you are learning and growing every day Peace out.